0: Acts chapter 12, and we're reading from the verse 1, a fairly well-known portion of Scripture this morning, but we need to see what the Lord will say fresh to us from his word. Verse 1. Now, About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex or to destroy or accuse certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Let me just stop there for a wee moment. I want to say a wee word just now, as we read these scriptures, to parents, to mothers in particular, be careful that you don't set too high a goal for your children. It may be that the Lord has different plans for them. This is James here who has just been beheaded by Herod. Remember his mother, Salome, Matthew 20 and 20? Fell down at the feet of the Lord Jesus and worshipped him one day with her two boys, James and John. And she said, Lord, grant that my two boys would be your deputies, that one would sit at the right hand and the other at the left hand in your kingdom, thinking, of course, she was thinking that it was an earthly kingdom going to be. Sometimes these people that walked along with the Lord and saw the Lord didn't learn a big lot. And she said, Lord, will you see that my boys get into that high position? And looking at the, her and the two boys, very sternly, she, he said, "Ye you know not what you ask. And he talked then about the baptism that they would be baptized with, talking about the death and the cross and the pain and the suffering of following the Lord. He said to me, Are you ready to go with me to Gethsemane, Gilbatha and Golgotha? Are you able to suffer the affliction and the baptism of death? They didn't know, or she didn't know. nor you don't know this morning what God has in plan for your child. It seems that Salome, I think from reading the scriptures correctly, was a sister of Jesus' mother Mary. Would there be a wee bit of skullduggery going on? Would there be a wee bit of who you know going on? Or a wee bit of red tape, or jockeying as we call it. Now stop it if you're at it for your family because it'll turn to disaster. Just let the Lord lead them. Don't you be trying to jockey them into some place where they don't want to go, or where they're not gifted to go, or where God doesn't want them to go. The Lord laid this on my heart this morning. Whereas the head's off, James here, and he's only 30 something. She didn't anticipate that. John lived another 50 years and died of natural causes. So we don't know. You know, you were better just leave them to the Lord and say, Lord, you're better to educate them on the things of God, not the things of the kingdom of this earth. Tell them about God. Tell them about prayer. Tell them about fasting. Tell them about missionaries. Tell them those things and pray that God will use them and that his will be done. But I know, I know this morning... Of children that have been pushed into places by their parents for pride and prestige. And it ended disastrous. Well, whoever that word's for this morning, I don't know. But we're going to read on. Verse 3. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, Herod, he proceeded further to take Peter also. So there's Peter now. Peter, James, and John as the three mighty men of God. And here's Peter now. Those were the days of unleavened bread. That is, it was Passover time. And when he had apprehended Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. That's 16 soldiers to keep him. 16 soldiers to keep one man. Of Of course, Peter had escaped from, from prison twice before this. This is the third time he's in. I'm making sure he's not going to get out this time. <laughs> and when he had apprehended him, he put him to prison and delivered him to four quartiers of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter. Now that's a poor translation. That should read after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church of God unto him. That's an awesome verse. And when Herod would have brought him forth the the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Rise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done of the angel but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leaded unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying, and they were in the upper room. And thus Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda, or Rose. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. We believe anything but answers to prayer, some of us. We pray away to God for things and we believe anything but when God answers. And they said unto him, Thou art mad, but she constantly informed that it was even so they said this is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go and show these things unto James, that of course was the other James, and to the brethren, and he departed and went into another place and we'll end the reading there and you know how God dealt with Herod before the chapter was over started with the death of James but it ended with the cruel death of Herod that's the word of God and may God bless to us the reading of his word to our hearts this morning there are three great powers in this world Three great powers that are displayed and shown forth in this twelfth chapter of Acts. Three the greatest three of the greatest powers displayed and released in these verses that we have read they come in the following sequence down to these verses. In verses 1 to 4, you have the power of Satan released through Herod. In verses 5, 5, you have the power of prayer released through the church. And in verses 6 to 16, you have the power of God released through prayer. Now I suggest to you this morning that these are still the three most potent and powerful forces unleashed and encountered in the world and in the church today. We must never ever underestimate the power of the devil. Nor must we ever under me, estimate the power of prayer or the power of God when he moves. You know, we have experienced all those powers here in this assembly in the past years, especially in the past number of months. We have seen what Satan tried to do. We have seen what prayer has done. And we have seen what God has done. Now, this morning we're going to examine these forces, their implications, and their application to you and I, gathered here and those listening, wherever you might be this morning. In order that we can get the best and the most out of the Word of God, we must always keep the Scriptures in their context. And I want you to clap your eyes on verse 1. That's why I asked you to keep your Bible open. Because we read in verse 1, it says, Now about that time. So there's a timing here. The devil has a time, you know. And God has his timing. Now we know from previous chapters... That there were times of mighty blessing in the early church. We know that the four chapters previous to this, 8, 9, 10, and 11, was packed with spectacular conversions, healings, and miracles and revival. In chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria to preach the Word of God, and there was a great revival. Great healings, great deliverances, and great joy. And not only did the word come to the Samaritans, but in that chapter he encountered the Ethiopian eunuch who brought the gospel back down to Africa. In chapter 9, the great apostle Paul, the great Saul of Tarsus, the great apostle Paul was saved and delivered. Also in that chapter, Aeneas, who was in bed eight years with a palsy, was healed and rose up and made his bed and walked out after eight years. In that same chapter, Dorcas was raised up from the dead and given back to the people of Joppa. In chapter ten, Cornelius the Roman, Cornelius the Roman centurion, was saved. And the fire of God fell, and the Spirit of God fell, and many were saved and baptized. In chapter 11, Barnabas went down to Antioch and preached the word unto them, and much people were saved and added to the church. He was filled with the Holy Ghost, and much was added to the church. So the whole districts and communities of the move of God was a move, especially amongst the Gentile people, and God was moving in mighty power. The power of God was there. The presence of God was there. The Word of God was going forth. Now, whenever you get the power and the presence of God unleashed, and souls being saved, and people being restored and healed, and dead souls being raised from the dead, and you're trampling on towards a revival coming upon you, you be sure that the enemy will attack. He will attack. He'll challenge and he'll confront and he'll attack. And that's what he has done and that's what he always does. He's a murderer and he's a liar and he's, he, 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 he's, he's not far away, let me tell you. And never you underestimate him. He'll do everything in his power to silence, to destroy and annihilate the people of God. The root word for the name uh, devil is the, is the word destroyer. He's a destroyer, and he'll destroy your life, and he'll destroy your marriage, and he'll destroy your church, and he has destroyed many of them. The thief has come not but to kill and to heal and to destroy. So we move from the time and here to the tyrant. Herod, one of the four wicked, evil Herods. We're not going into them this morning. He was possessed, and he was manipulated by Satan. All these Herods were pawns of Satan. They were moved by satanic powers. How else would they killed, young children and done what they did? He moves into action here. He moves into action and he begins to attack and assault the work and the workers of God. Now it's very essential that we should know the strategies and the devices and the schemes of Satan that he uses against the church and believers when there's blessing on. There are some churches... And they're no threat to the tyrant. Now the tyrant is no threat to them. Because there are many assemblies of God's people and they're ignorant. They're ignorant of demonic powers because he's so subtle in the things that he does. He has no need to attack a Laodicean church. He has no need to to attack a church that's miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked and who Jesus says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He has no errand in that. He has no need to touch them, nor does he. But when he gets a bit of life and gets a bit of vibrancy and a bit of power coming and sees things happening and sees his kingdom being robbed, he goes into action. You're doing that here. You make no mistake about it. He'll move into action. When we start praying and when we start fasting and when we start to do what we've been doing here in the past months, I tell you, my friend, he will come. when people get saved and people are getting restored and healed to here. Let me say this: He didn't come to the Romans. He didn't come through the Gentiles. He came through the Jews. Did't you read there? Because it pleased the Jews. That's coming from their own kiss and kin. They were angry at the progress of Christianity. And the old established religion of the day that God, the Lord put an end to when He cried, finished and walked out of the temple and said, The day is over for you. They're still holding on to it. These boys were losing their people in droves. They were coming out and they were getting saved and they were getting blessed and they were being revived they were coming out from the old dead orthodoxy and ritualism and all the old things of the past. And there was a new day and a fresh day, and the Lord had come and blessing was come. And they're mad. And the devils kick, kick them, kick them, and kick he'll do. Can I say this? Although the power of God, the power of the devil, is released here, He's not an almighty power. You, want, you get that into your head this morning. He has power. He has power to slay pastors, He has power to slay marriages, He has power to close churches, He has power. And when you get a wee-week prayer meeting when you get people fighting amongst themselves? When you get a people that's not united and a jealous and envious people because people are going from their church and coming, when you get that, my friend, you'll have the devil. And God, help us to keep free from envy, jealousy, or strife. No, he, he's not all-powerful. He, he's not almighty. He's mighty. God has put down markers and boundaries for Satan that he cannot cross. Don't you fear him this morning? He had asked permission. He had asked permission the devil to touch Job. And he has to ask permission to touch the true born again believer this morning. Sometimes the Lord gives him permission and sometimes he doesn't. The gift is in the hand of God, not his. And can I say to you this morning, if you're in the teeth of some gale, if there's some storm raging around you this morning in your family, your health, or your home, I say to you this the Lord knows about it. And the Lord has enlarged it for a purpose that you can't see now. Hold on. Do you remember John panicked in the Galilee that night in the terrible storm? And it was dark, and John said this. And mind you, John was one of the most steady of these boys. John, John, John says this: "It's dark, and he has not come. He acted words as it's now dark, and he hasn't come. But he'll come, and he did come. He'll come. Don't you let go too early." Don't you back off from the devil either. These people here didn't back off from him. And we're not going to back off from him here. And he's got that message well before now. There's no backing off. There's no reverse gear and the boy's here. Let him threaten and breathe and do what he wants to do. God has put down markers and he has put down boundaries. And listen, he can't touch you unless God allows it. Your child, unless God allows it. Your health, unless God allows it. It's dark. There's a wee family over in Bangalore in India and they sent us an email with a, 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 almost cried, I should have cried, for they were crying. They said, both of us are crying when we're sending this to you. We hear you're preaching in the lightboat. We, we hear you're praying in the lightboat down in, in County De We hear you're praying. We have two daughters. And our heart's broken with them. Will you pray for them? He says, my, my wife's up at 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. I'm up between 2 and 5 o'clock in the morning praying for them. And she prays three hours before that. She says, Where's God? Where's God? My daughters are. And she turned it, can read vaguely what they were at. Let us bow ahead this morning now here and let us pray for them. Come on. Father. Father. Father, I pray. I pray, Lord. I pray for this dear man and his wife. No God, India isn't in trouble enough, Lord. They're dying in thousands. And we cry to Thee this morning, Lord, for these two girls. And Lord, they were good enough to send an email to us to pray. And Lord, we have been praying every night this week for them. And Lord, we cry to Thee that You will deliver them, Lord. Lord, that you'll hear the cries of the people here at the light boat this morning. Not only for them, but for others with daughters and others with sons. Even in this meeting, we cry, God, to thee, O God, that you'll deliver, that you'll save, you'll break the chains and the fetters that bind. In Jesus' name. Remember, God had to give permission to the devil to smite Job's finances, family, and flesh. He had to ask permission to hit him with bereavement, bankruptcy, and boils. God said to Job, to the Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? What did he say? He says, I have, but you have a hedge round him, and you bless him, and I can't touch him, for you have a hedge round him on every side. <laughs> and he knows that. On the family side, on the health side. He's a hedge round you this morning. Glory to his name. And he can't touch you. He admitted this. And then God says, stretch out your hand and touch him. But you're not to take his life. And of course, we know what happened, but he couldn't take his life. Our times are in his hand. Glory to God. So you have the time here, and then you have the tyrant. Secondly, you have the target. What's the target here in this early church? So the pillars of the church. Peter and James and John. They are the pillars. And if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? The devil doesn't go for the wee boy, you know. He doesn't go for the one that's no bother to him. He goes right into the very pillar because if he can get the pillar down, he'll get the building down. And you pray for us leaders and elders here, I tell you, like you never prayed before. But if he can smash one of us, he'll smash the whole business. James and Peter, Two of the closest to the Lord. Two of the men that saw mighty things that nobody else saw. He silenced James. He bound Peter. And he isolated John. He just come in like the roaring lion. When the blessing was going on. Do you get that this morning? He'll go to the closest and to the nearest to the one that's doing the most damage to the devil's kingdom. Do you know that he wanted to destroy Job? God says that. He wanted to destroy him, he says, without a cause. And if you're in a storm this morning, in a fiery trial this morning, and there's things going on around you and in your home and life that you don't know anything about it, Don't exhaust and annoy yourself looking for a cause. There may be no cause to it, as far as you're concerned, that you see now. Don't be going away back into your ancestral past and say, Oh, was there something away back there? And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But the devil can send you on a wild goose chase, man, until he'll annoy you and tire you and weary you that you can't sleep, you can't pray, you can't read. He's a liar. You just leave the past with God now. It may be that you don't know and you not know and many of the trials and troubles and tribulations that come. There's no cause for them. But God allows it. And people in this meeting this morning knows and have suffered but they know that God will do what is right at the end of the day. He'll come. And my friend, there's no, no explanation at times He'll come unwarranted, unexpected, unmerciful. And to you it'll be unreasonable. But God is working all things out. Dangerous. The devil's dangerous. And when people are getting restored and people are getting blessed and people are getting revived, he'll stretch forth his hand as he stretched forth his hand here, he'll stretch forth, my friend, listen, he'll stretch forth his hand on your marriage. And he'll stretch forth his hand on your children. And he'll stretch forth his hand on your health. And get permission from God. And He'll put you through a trial that will bring glory to His name and mighty blessing to you if you hold tight in it. Don't back off. Don't back off from Him this morning. So we go to the main part of our message. The time, the tyrant, the target. The travail in verse 5. Peter therefore was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Do you see that we but? That's one of the blessed buts. The devil doesn't like the blessed buts. But he was wounded. Boy, he doesn't like that one. <laughs> but now God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. He doesn't like that one. You get the butts and you see them and you study them and you'll find out you'll have a message before Lord. They went into prayer. The whole church went into prayer. It says here, many of them without ceasing, that word without ceasing mean they were stretched out to the limit. Some people believed that they, even they were in the upper room on their bellies crying all night. This was a night of prayer. How did these people encounter, how did these people face the demonic powers of hell when Satan was by prayer? It was the only weapon they had. They had no other weapon. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty. Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This church went to prayer. I don't know how many in there were, but I know, my friend, that they went to prayer. They went to groaning and travailing prayer, because the same word is used for our Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane. In the days of his flesh, he offered up supplication, strong crying and tears. Unto him that was able to save, supplication, intercession, strong crying and tears and weeping in the days of his flesh. If the Lord had to pray like that, how much more need we not to pray like that? And this early church were praying like that. What a right, I would love to be outside the door or inside this prayer meeting. Was they a new that there's only hope to settle Herod? And my friend, when you begin to learn that, you believers now begin to learn that because some of you are not praying and you know it and the devil's having havoc with you. You're another praying at home, no, you're another praying in the church. We're not here now to soft soap you this morning. We're here to say that we're in a battle and it's a fierce battle. And people are driving here from one end of the country to the other to these prayer meetings, crying, and one man weeping and crying unto God for their mothers and for their fathers. And you make it your business to go to prayer wherever you go and cry to God because the devil will make mincemeat of you and your whole business. And he's doing that all over the place. They had they had they, they, they did nothing else. And there was a mighty power released. When the, it was united. It was earnest. It was desperate. It was prostrate. It was broken. It was fearless prayer. They only had a few hours. Because verse six tells me they're bringing forth. They're going to bring him. God's going to bring him forth the same night. so they have only a few hours the same night what do you think they'd be be doing when the whole thing was at stake barbecuing sunning themselves let me say this again I've said it many times this is not a cruise boat This is a lifeboat. There's no deck for son and yourself here. This is a lifeboat. We're struggling. We're reaching out to the lost. We're crying for families. Crying to God. They had, they had only a few hours. Mother, let me say this with a burdened heart this morning. You may only have a few hours to pray for your boy. You may only have a few hours to pray for your girl. It may be too late tomorrow. Maybe too late. And you that are unsaved in this meeting. And well, you know that you're not saved this morning, and you're listening to me, and well, you know that you're not saved. You would need to start to pray before it's too late and cry to God. But this time tomorrow you could be in the flames of hell. Where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and where there's no exit and there's no way out. You could be in it before dinner time. The time you cried to the Lord this morning to save you. Thinking about with that sin that you're with. Ah, friend, listen. A serious business. You come to these meetings and you'll see that a serious business. When we're crying unto God. Ah, sinner, if this was your last night. If, we, if this was your last night, wouldn't you expect us to pray for you? And we're praying for men and women here, and boys and girls here, as if it was their last night. For we don't know. These these men mean business. Could be your last night. It was the farmer's last night. This night, thy soul, thy food, shall be required of thee. Now, as we come down to a close here, let me say, Peter is the type of the sinner, and he's the type of the church. It's late. It's dark, he's bound, he's asleep, he's in fetters, and he's in chains. I could preach the gospel from that this morning. And let me tell you something more. The executioner has already unsheathed his sword, and the blood of James is still on it. They're coming for Peter in the morning. In the morning. They're going to bring him out. They're going to decapitate him as they did with James. Well, that's what they think they're going to do. And let me tell you, they would have done it if God wouldn't have put his people praying. suddenly, powerfully, when all seemed to be lost, these warriors, Mrs. Mark and all her team, how many there were, I don't know, in that upper room that night. Oh, what a prayer meeting this must have been. I wonder where the praying. Hold on now. I wonder where the are praying the promises of God you need when you come to God you need to come with promises. Have you a promise for your child? Have you a promise for the situation? Are you pleading it? You see I, I believe I may be wrong but I believe that these people knew that Peter wasn't going to die this way. John 21, the Lord told Peter, He says, You will be an old man and you'll be crucified upside down. If you read the word carefully, He's going to die when He's an old man. Peter knew that and that's why He's asleep. That's why He's asleep. I tell you, He's not worrying about money or wills or houses. He's an old boat and net and He threw it all up and followed the Lord. Well, things like that keep you asleep and awake. Awake at night, I don't know what you'll do with your money. He wasn't worrying about the thing. He wasn't worrying about what he was going to happen. He was a sleep sound. He was that sound of It took a smack of an angel to wake him and smote him. Oh, for the peace of God that passeth all understand. Oh, for the peace of God to know that the devil can't touch me until the Lord allows it. Go to your bed and go to sleep tonight and lead them all in the hands of the Lord. Who oh, is you staying awake as well as him? Suddenly, powerfully, when all seemed to be lost, these people broke through. They broke through. There was an invasion, an intervention, an angel was dispatched from heaven. Some say us was theophany with the Lord Jesus himself. But I know this, that there was an intervention, and I know this, when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, the night is turned to day. He's able to turn the night into day, and that's what he did here. Didn't Jesus say in the parable of the widow, he says, I tell you, I will avenge you speedily. And we'll be praying here some night, and you'll be praying some night, and suddenly, suddenly, you come. Hallelujah. And I don't want to miss these prayer meetings. And I don't want to miss any meetings here. For the Lord can come suddenly. He came suddenly on Sunday night into the meeting. No, you dictate to him what way to come. And nearly every Sunday night and Sunday morning, he is coming some way or another here. I'm excited I'm excited suddenly there was an intervention from heaven, heaven open and there wasn't only an intervention there was an illumination the whole dungeon lit up (laughs) suddenly you know the God of this world has blinded their minds lest what the light of the glorious gospel would shine in. The old devil has blinded you, man. That's what he's afraid of. He's afraid of the light of the glorious gospel shining in. One of the most beautiful things I would believe as an evangelist and a pastor for nearly 40 years, one of the most beautiful things is to sit down with a sinner who's convicted of their sin and wants to know to get saved. And when you're showing them the word and show them the scriptures, you can see the light dawning into their souls. And you see the light coming into their faces. What a wonderful experience that is. The light of the glorious gospel of glory. Oh, thank God for the day and hour it shined into our lives. As any wonder Paul, Peter, how St. Peter could say, call it the marvelous light? Is it any wonder that Paul could say it was a bright light, brighter than the noonday sun? Is it any wonder that John could say it was the true light? And Jesus says, I am the light. So we're almost finished. An intervention, illumination and liberation. He was immediately liberated. He had to rise up. While the fetters were still in his hands, he had to rise up. As he was rising up. They say, you read it, rise up quickly. Get up, awake. Hit him a crack on the side. Some of God's people needs a good crack. Hit him a crack on the side. Up. And the chains fell off. Immediately. They fell off. He can break the bands like that. He can break the bands of drugs like that. Drink like that. Pornography like that. Just like that. Do you believe that? He can give you a night's sleep, sister, too. And he will. Don't back off from him. Don't back off from him. We're so near now. You're so near that deliverance. Get back praying for your child again. Get back into the prayer meetings again. Get back into the family altar again. He'll come suddenly. they turn your whole house up. We have seen households turned upside down in this place where we prayed for years. Men with drugs and drink and everything in the meetings. Ah, we have lost the belief of faith. Our faith. Where is our faith this morning to believe in such a God as this? And lastly, there's the application. Can I say, don't wait till you hear something. Don't wait till you see something. Don't wait till you feel something. Just by grace are you saved through faith. Rise up this morning. You want to be restored this morning. Just cling in by faith. Say, Lord, I'm going to believe this word this morning. I'm going to believe you today and he smote Peter on the side. That's the same word was used to smite Herod with the worms at the end of the chapter. He smote one to deliver, and he smote the other to destroy. Oh, God. And then there's the invitation. Arise up quickly and follow me. The light shone into the dungeon in the middle of the night, soldier, soldier chained to each hand, lying there, him sleeping, soldier chained to each hand. He's not going to get away this time. And suddenly the light came on and he said, rise up. And as they began to rise up, the chains fell off. The soldiers must have stayed asleep. Maybe they're still sleeping, I don't know. What did Peter say? Oh, oh, what about the rest? There's 14 more soldiers somewhere. There's 16. Well, four quarternians. Didn't know much of school, but four fours, I think, 16. Oh, well, what about the gates? And what about the bars? And what about the Jews? And what about the iron locks? And what about the big gate? Don't you worry about the big gate. Don't you worry. Listen, you don't worry about the future. Leave that to God. He'll know how to handle that. You just come up. He says, He says, rise up quickly and follow me. Start following Him this morning. And if you start looking at the obstacles, you'll go down. Follow Him this morning. He doesn't deliver us to leave us, He didn't save you to leave you. He didn't save you to leave you in the mess that you're in. If Christ and cross and Calvary and the blood and everything, if it means anything, it means victory. Have you victory in your Christian life? Well, if you want help this morning, way over to the barn after you leave here. I'm going out to the door this morning. Way over to the barn and tell me and we'll go over with you. If you want prayer this morning, don't be afraid to ask for prayer. Quickly, I'm finished now. He says, raise up quickly, and I'm finished now in a minute. Listen, he told them what to do. He says, guard thyself. And my friend, that whenever you get delivered, whether it's from drugs or drink, or whether it's, from, it's from, from to be restored again, from pornography or whatever it is, that's damning you and hurting you and killing you and separating you. When you need deliverance this morning, you need the bondage broke this morning, he says, the first thing you do is gird yourself. Put the girdle of truth on you. That's one of the armor parts. In fact, all the armor parts are nearly here. The girdle of truth. Get into the truth. Get into the Word. Get your Bible. Start claiming the promises. Start reading again, and you'll get the victory. The girdle of truth. Bind on your shoes, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Listen, he'll give you peace. He'll give you peace. Just follow him. Follow me, he says. Follow me. I'll take care of the gates. I'll take care of the guard. You just follow me. I'll take care of your health. I'll take care of your family. You just follow me. Get your eyes on me. Put on your shoes. The Lord didn't put the shoes on for him. No, put his coat on from heather. We want the Lord to do everything for us sometimes. There's things you can do that the Lord will not do. And things that you can't do, He will do. The shoes. Cast thy garment around thee. Oh, there's a robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. There's a robe of righteousness clothed in the righteousness of Christ, imputed righteousness, handed down from me, a pure sinner, in a moment of time, washed in the blood, cleansed, and robed in righteousness forever. Hallelujah. You don't say it, I'll shout it. And follow me. Just you put those on and follow me. And then there's the confession in verse eleven. He says, "Now I know of assurance. Now I know," he says, "that the Lord has delivered." Do you know that you're saved this morning? Well, I'm just told now to his closer. Are you sure? Are you sure you know? Well, how could you have a deliverance like this and not know it? How could you be translated from darkness into light? into marvellous light. How would you come out of a dark night as blind as a bat trying to struggle into light and you you switch on the light? How would you not know that you're in one and the other? Man, it's as different as light and day. It's as night and dark. It's as different as death and life. Life. Abundant life. You'll not get much life in the graveyard. Life. Abundant life. Life. He says, I know, he says, I know of assurance. Oh, there are a lot of God's people in the lack of assurance. Ah, you need to get that assurance back and get into the battle and get into the fight for it's late, it's dark, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Oh, don't go on any longer hoping and thinking. I ah, hope I think I'm saved. I don't know. What an awful way to live that. And then lastly, there was the declaration, verse 17. He says, and we're not touching Rhoda, we're not touching the prayer. He says, declare it. He says, listen, go and declare it. Go and tell it. onto the brethren. Tell it. Tell what has happened. Tell me, you're saved, and you may have got saved in these meetings, but you have never confessed it. Well, you'll sit the way you are until you confess it. Because if we believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth, there's two parts to it. It's all right believing in your heart and praying the sinner's prayer, but you've never told that. You've never told one person. Once you begin to tell it, then you'll begin to get the joy and you'll begin to get the victory. We'll leave it there this morning, but listen. Don't back off. No matter how bad the things are, no matter what's happening around us, no matter if the church was seemed to be going to be decimated in a few hours, hold tight. Because it's at that moment that God marvels in common. He revels in common in the dark hour. Pray on. keep going. keep believing. Don't give up. We'll pray with you. And may God bless you. Let us pray.